What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Dime Dropper, episode 13. We are here in Los Angeles, California, as always. Before we get started, remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, as well as follow us on Spotify and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod. So, guys, it's been a little bit, as I said, I was taking a break from talking about you know, anything on the podcast because I was just really sad and I've been really sad about the, the the Clippers and the video I made. Hey, the video I made has gone as far as our standards so far, just beginning this show, crazy. I mean, a thousand views already. I mean, my first video to hit a thousand. I appreciate all the support and all the the sympathizing for one, the basking in my misery, the laughing. I get it. I mean, I'd be laughing too. But um, it is tough, except my wish came true, and today I was one of the happiest people in the city, maybe in the entire, nah, I wouldn't say the world, but in the city, because we fired Cock Rivers, finally, after seven long years of disappointment at various points, he is gone, and I cannot tell you how happy I am about this, how Thankful I am to Lawrence Frank, who is one of the best general managers slash president of basketball operations in basketball right now. He did an unbelievable job last summer, of course, and for him to do this shows that he is a no-nonsense guy. He will only stand for a winning product, and that wasn't good enough, and Doc is gone. And ever since we promoted Lawrence Frank to president of basketball operations, uh, he has just been unbelievable. And he's done everything he's needed to do to, you know, make us a better team. And Steve Ballmer, I mean, to go from a guy like Donald Sterling to Steve Ballmer, to have somebody that's willing to do anything it takes to win, to go Microsoft style out here and fire Doc, who was hired by Donald Sterling's staff, not Steve Ballmer's staff. So in my opinion, and I'm hoping I'm right with this, the plague, the curse has been eliminated I hope because Doc Rivers was the last bit not counting trainer Jason Powell on the bench that's in charge of like the injuries and stuff um that was remaining from Sterling so now that Doc's gone or Cox gone I feel as though maybe the curse has been lifted and the fact that it happened shows that Kawhi they probably I'm assuming they ran it by him and I think despite all that stuff he was saying last summer about champ Kawit I'm sorry championship coach that he was okay with seeing him walk. And I'm so happy about that. And now the question is, who do we hire? And I've gotten a lot of questions asking me about who we should hire. And the answer for me is very simple. I'd be very happy if we signed Ty Lue. But there's a reason I became a Clipper fan. And one of those many reasons was Sam I Am Cassell. One of the highest IQ basketball players I've ever seen. A winner where ever he went, whether it was Houston where he started out his career and won two championships, then he went to, he was in Milwaukee and they went to the conference finals, then he went to Minnesota and they went to the conference finals, I mean, just think about that for a second, the Minnesota Timberwolves were in the conference finals, and then the Clippers made it to the second round where they'd never done it, the guy is a winner, he is a talker who never used to shut up, and I think that's exactly what we need, because our squad is a lot of, a lot of talkers when it comes to talking shit, 
But they don't got a lot of basketball minds out there talking. With Chris Paul, you know, Kyle Lowry, these kind of guys, they're basketball minds. Even LeBron, Rondo, these are basketball minds talking. On the Clippers, we have Patrick Beverly kind of barking around. Do you know what I mean? It's not the same. Sam Cassell is a basketball mind. He is, if we were to, if we had Sam Cassell, the player on our team right now, oh my goodness, we would probably have won the championship because he is so smart and he was one of those guys that will settle the team down and he just has so much enthusiasm and I just think that we should go with a new coach, somebody that's fresh, somebody that deserves a chance and someone that's one of our own. Like I like Ty Lue a lot, but like, Sam Cassell is one of our own. He's somebody that made me fall in love with this team. And I just believe, and if you guys watched the uh, GSL right before the playoffs started, we played Oklahoma City on our last game with a bunch of bench warmers. And Sam Cassell was the head coach of that game. And just the enthusiasm, the way that the boys played. I know there was no pressure, but it just made me believe. Like I was thinking in that moment, I said, if we fail in this playoffs and Doc gets fired, Sam just needs to get promoted. Like, I just would just be one of the happiest kids in the world because I started with Sam Cassell and for him to be the coach, it's kind of similar to, similar to what we've got in Chelsea right now with Frank Lampard being the coach and it's, it's just so awesome for me because I watched him and loved him. So you always want to root for someone that's one of your own. And, you know, as for Cock Rivers to end the chapter on him, uh, I thank him for the things that he did and he got us through some tough situations, especially with the Donald Sterling racism thing. He's been a great spokesperson for the league, and he's a great human being and a great man. I forgot to mention that in the last when I went on my tirade. He is a great man, and I would you know love to talk about basketball or life with Doc Rivers at Cock Rivers at some point. Um, however, he's a terrible coach. He's overrated, completely overrated. So he's done, and I'm so happy about it. So guys, I'm feeling good about the Clippers, guys, and I'm just gonna uh, answer one of the listener questions that we got we're gonna get to more at the end of the podcast but uh one of my former teammates at the rec jack chudikoff much love to chudy always got some assists from him in the in shooting those short corner mid-ranges at the park do you think the clippers should move pg he asks what changes to the roster do you want to see i would love if we move paul george because i personally think now that we have glenn gone paul george is the only thing now stopping us from winning a championship I think that he's a plague and a cancer, but as I said in my episode, I'm willing to give him another chance one more year and then let him walk if we fail. And I don't want to sound pessimistic, but probably once we fail, because I just don't believe that he has, the most important thing as a basketball player is self-reflection and knowing what you can and can't do and what your limitations are. I just don't think that he gets it at all. So as long as he's on the team, I just think, I just don't think he's going to win anywhere he goes, to be honest. So I would love if we traded him. I've heard a lot about rumors about Drew Holiday, and I would love that because he's one of the best defenders in the league. Once again, the fucking idiot media didn't put him on the defensive teams because they just don't watch basketball, I guess, because it's so clear how good he is at defense. And um, the only problem with Drew Holiday is he's another kind of ISO guy, but if we replace an ISO guy that knows that he's the second best player on the team with a guy... You know, replacing a guy like Paul George who thinks that, you know, some nights Kawhi is going to go out, some nights is me. No, no, no. You got to have a guy that knows his role, and I think Drew Holiday would know his role. So I'd love to see Paul George get traded, but I'm willing to give him one more year. Um, other than that with the team, uh, Mark, as I said before, Marcus Morris and Trez 
Uh, honestly, I don't mind if they go or stay. I think Trez is going to go. And I think that the Lou and Trez duo, as great as it is and how great it's been for Clipper fans and one of the best statistical, the best statistical bench duo of all time offensively, I think that they're a problem in the playoffs because neither of them play defense and neither of them rebound. And those are the most important things in basketball, in my opinion. Fuck the putting the ball in the basket. The most important things are defense and rebounding. Let's get real. All right? Um, in today's era, yeah, I guess. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's good basketball that wins championships. And you guys have heard my podcasts. Uh, today's basketball, I don't necessarily consider good basketball except for a select few teams. And... I think that Montrezl Harrell, as much as I love the guy, and like everybody that knows me knows I loved him, he really, first of all, he put out a tweet. And by the way, guys, I, I don't mean to sound so angry when I do this stuff. Like, I'm actually a pretty pleasant guy. I mean, <laughs> if you know me, but I'm just so passionate about basketball, and the Clippers don't give me any happiness usually. They just give me a bunch of anxiety, stress, and anger. So, Montrezl Harrell, uh, last weekend, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, recovered an onside kick and stole the game away from the Atlanta Falcons in the NFL. And Trez, who's a Falcons fan, had the audacity to tweet, Oh my God, at Atlanta Falcons, I'm done with NFL. I can't with y'all. Are you fucking serious? Do you not have any self-reflection? I'm not even going to respond to that, Trez. But you know what? I don't even mean this the wrong way. You can go fuck yourself after that tweet. Go fuck yourself after that. Seriously, what's wrong with you, dude? Do you have any sympathy? And by the way, I mentioned him in my podcast, Jamichael Green, and he posted on Instagram saying, how did we lose? Acting like he was pissed. That's what I like to see, and he was at no fault. I know he went cold like the rest of them, but shit, even Kawhi's getting cold. So Jamichael Green is not to be blamed. Jamichael Green, I would love to see you come back next season, dude, because I fuck with you. Um, anyway, so that's, for the, that's it for the Clippers. Well, um, let's go into other things. So guys... Um, the direction of Dime Dropper right now. I am going to do an episode for each game of the GSL Finals. Um, we're going to get into that in just a second, the preview. But after the season ends, the content is going to be ramped up to a different degree. And that means we're going to have interviews. Oh, I mean, not interviews, I'm sorry. Guests on. We're going to start Dime Dropper featuring, which is going to be official guests. That means if they're working, uh, coaching, or playing in the collegiate or NBA landscape. Um, we are going to have more guests on. We are going to do video breakdowns of not really... I'm actually planning on doing a Celtics breakdown um, of their series and why they lost coming out soon. But I'm also trying to get do breakdowns of old basketball because that's what I want to show you guys. And once again, one of my goals in doing this is to fix and change the misconceptions that I've been really plaguing the young minds and including me. I mean, I was plagued. I was plagued just before I moved back to LA, even in UMass, you know, I had all my friends at UMass and my whole like fraternity, like was like, Oh, there's no one that's into basketball as Darian is. And he's very knowledgeable. But to be honest, I still didn't know a lot. And I still didn't know, in my opinion, compared to me now, I didn't know anything. And that's because I really learned about the way the game has changed the way the game was in each era and how you got to look at things and what the right, what the people that know basketball say and what the people that don't know basketball say and what comments you make that indicate that and what comments you can make that indicate you don't know anything and you're, or you're that you're extremely misguided. 
And my generation is the, as I, as I say, we're going to refer to them for the entirety of my dime dropper tenure, whenever, however long that lasts, hopefully forever, the Gen Z cucks. That's what they're going to be called. And you know, a lot of my friends are Gen Z cucks. Until they talk to me and have a real conversation or are willing to open up their minds, they're Gen Z cucks. So one thing I'm trying to do this summer is really educate and talk about legends and people that came before us because we weren't alive to see it. So why not learn about it to become more educated instead of keeping this ignorant, everything's better now mindset? Because I'm from now. I believed what you believe. I did. Now I believe and see the truth. I know who's knowledgeable and who isn't. And it's the people that have been around the game the longest and have been alive the longest. And the one thing I can't stand is a lot. I'm trying to educate you guys here. And I don't mean to say that like I'm a professor with a PhD, but um, except when it comes to LeBron's career, of course. Um, but... You know, I'm, I'm literally going back, as I said, the evolution of basketball, 1957, 56, 57, Bill Russell's first season, studying every single year as if I was alive. And of course, I will never be able to get the context of being alive, but I can do as best as I can and watch every single game that they have on YouTube and look into all these things. And right now I just finished the 1973 season and I'm so enjoying learning and I'm finding out new things every day. And the more things I find out and the more footage I watch, the more disappointed I get with what the way that we that kids my age look at the game today and how many things that we don't understand. And that's what I want to explain to you guys and make you understand them because I care about this shit. I love this shit. There's a reason I had a angry rant that got a thousand views. There's a reason why I lost weight when I've been trying to gain weight because I got so stressed out of my team. I love this shit. You know, everybody has their calling card. Everybody has their, I want to be better than you at this. I want to be the best at this. And growing up, I was blessed and spoiled to witness the most hard working basketball player to ever play the game. I'm not going to say his name because you know who he is. And what I learned from him is that no matter what you do, you can't make excuses. You can't tell yourself, oh, I mean, that's a long shot. Nah, it's not a long shot. If you want it, go make it happen. There should be nothing deterring you and nothing stopping you if you truly believe that you are the best at it. And what did I always want to be the best at? Well, what I always wanted to do subconsciously in life is I wanted to know more about the NBA and its history than everyone standing next to me. Everyone. Now, am I ever going to be the most knowledgeable basketball person on this earth? Hell no, because I wasn't alive. The most knowledgeable person are going to be people that were alive. And like, I will say this, in my 15 years watching basketball, I cannot think that there's been anyone in this planet that has been as into it as me and that has really studied it like me. Maybe there is, but I haven't met them yet and I, have encounter I haven't encountered them yet. So what I can do is I can be the most knowledgeable I can be, but be better at talking about it than the most knowledgeable. So no matter what, I want to be the best, the most knowledgeable person with the podcast about the NBA. That is my goal, and I'm not going to stop till I get there. And by getting there, that means finishing the evolution of basketball and going from 1973 all the way to where I started watching basketball in 0506. And I will continue that. And you guys... This summer, I cannot wait. And by the way, I'm not just going to do basketball content this summer. I'm definitely going to start talking more about the Premier League that's in full effect um, and a little bit about the NFL. But NFL, I'm more of a Rams fan than a real NFL fan. So if I am talking about the NFL, I will likely have a guest on to do so. But when it comes to soccer and the Premier League, I watch every like all the games of the big teams for the most part. And I would love to talk about that a little bit too. But once again, and also episodes that aren't basketball. We're going to talk about episodes that we're going to talk about non-sports as well. We're going to have 
different, you know, different things. This is my podcast and I wanted to do what I want to do. So that's the plans for the summer. I cannot, or the, the off season, I should say, we're going to take it to a whole nother level. I've been talking about it for a while and we're seven games maximum away from getting there. And I can't wait to educate you and educate myself about the history of the game and the beautiful sport that we enjoy. Um, so let's get into it. Uh, Heat Celtics. Celtics fans. Oh, man. A little disappointing. I did say Heat in seven. I was one game off. Hey, just for the record, I didn't make a bracket before the Eastern Conference playoffs started, but I did predict every single winner of the, of the Eastern Conference playoffs correctly before the series started. Every single one. So your boy did well on that. Miami did make the finals. And I think that you saw, you know, this was a good series. There was three, four, actually, I think, really close games. And the Celtics lost every single one of those close games. And I think a lot of the reasons is because they're a young team. Like Jason Tatum, who was absolutely awesome in the playoffs. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call him a superstar now. I think he earned that right now. Increases scoring averages to 26 points a game, 10 rebounds a game, and five assists in the playoffs. And... That is amazing stats. Those are amazing stats. And he, once again, increased significantly and showed a side of him that shows you what kind of great player he's going to be going forward. Did he make some really, like, young player mistakes? Yeah, a little too much ISO, some bad shots, some bad turnovers, some, you know, getting lost on defense here and there. Uh, Jalen Brown, 22 points a game, increased his average, seven and a half boards. I thought he was really good in the playoffs. Kemba Walker, a little bit. A little disappointing with his shooting, but what I love about Kemba Walker is he approaches the game the right way. He almost never does anything that dumb. Like, the worst thing he'll do is maybe take a bad shot here and there and miss some shots that he usually makes. And when you miss shots that you usually make and you're taking good shots, you're doing the right thing, you're approaching the game with the right mindset, I can never hate on you too much as a player. And that's why I think that you Celtics fans need to really appreciate what Kemba has done this year, where he's taking you from where Kyrie did, He's made Jalen and Jason Tatum a whole lot better. And I think that Kemba Walker going forward is going to be great for the Celtics team. And I think that this was his first time in the conference finals. He learned some things. A lot of people on the Celtics team learned some things. And a lot of it was going iso ball too much late in games with, you know, Kemba's going iso. Oh, let me go Tatum iso. Very stagnant. It's like they stop running offense sometimes at the end of games, the Celtics. And I think that this future is so bright for Boston. And I think that I'm going to go Chuck, Chuck uh, Charles Barkley style on this one. I guarantee that the Boston Celtics will win a championship in the 2020s. The 20s. The decade. This decade, they're going to win. And Tatum and Jalen Brown will do it. I truly believe they're going to do it. I think that these guys are special. And I think that the Celtics are a great organization, obviously, with their history and the front office and everything to get them there. So... Great season for the Celtics, a step up, a slightly disappointing fashion. I'm going to make a video breakdown to go more into the X's and O's, but I think that their inexperience really cost them because every single game they lost was close. And for Miami, they had to play very well to do this. They had to make the right plays. They had to make the Celtics worse. It wasn't just stupid, dumb mistakes the Celtics made constantly. As much as some Celtics fans want to believe that, if you really look deep into the plays, the Heat are just... They're really making the Celtics work. They're making the Celtics have to play great on both ends of the floor and not lose concentration like to, to win the game. And the Miami Heat, and that's the reason why I believe, as we segue into the finals preview, why I believe that the Miami Heat have a chance to win this series, and a good one. Because 
I said it before, they're the most disciplined team in the playoffs, they play the best together, and they're the most consistent throughout 48 minutes with their energy and intensity. They don't slack off, they don't just collapse except for one, I think it was like the third quarter and fourth quarter of game five against the Celtics were the only one times I saw that, but the fact that they adjusted and you know didn't get rattled and came back and finished the series in game six, shows me what they're made of and shows me how many weapons they have. And when you look at this Heat team compared to the Lakers, they have so many weapons. The two best players in the series may be on the Lakers. And typically, that does win you the championship. And I will start out by saying, unfortunately, I'm going to go with the Lakers winning the series in six. However, there's a really strong chance I'm wrong because the, the Miami Heat have six players in double figures in the playoffs. Duncan Robinson averaging 11, and oh my God, was he ridiculous. And like, he's just been ridiculous in the playoffs. Like, the shots that that kid makes, I mean, Asher did refer to it in the preview, in the playoff preview, if you watch that. He talked about how Duncan Robinson's shot making is just completely ridiculous. And he, and his story is unbelievable. That whole, you know, hitting up um, the guy, one of the, what, I don't know what media member it was, but, you know, like acting like his career was going to end after Michigan. And for him to be in the, a starter on a finals team now, like Duncan Robinson, man, a whole lot of respect for you. Jay Crowder averaging double figures. What an addition that was to the team. Andre Iguodala was huge in game six. And you saw me talk about him a bunch. An incredible addition. And Bam Adebayo, 18.5 points and 11 rebounds and 5 assists in the playoffs. And then you got Jimmy Butler averaging 21, 6, and 4.5 and with 2 steals. And Goran Dragic leading the points with 21, 4, and 5. Now, you might be asking yourself, maybe Jimmy Butler's not the best player on this team. Wrong, in my opinion. Jimmy Butler is doing something that in our era of basketball, where we're so infatuated with the statistics, we have not seen somebody play this way in years. A leader that makes literally everybody better around them and it's by not touching the ball all the time. See, we have this perception and it's a complete Gen Z cuck thing that you can only get, somebody can only be making you better by benefiting from you directly, meaning your passes. And you know what? That is not the case. That's not what making somebody better is because if I have to feed off your plate constantly, then that's not me making better. Once again, if you got to take if you got to put the training wheels on to ride the bike, you can't really ride the bike. If you take that one guy who's making you better, a la LeBron or certain guys like that, James Harden, that's getting you open shots if you can't score, then and and he's coming out the game and you can't play, how much better is he really making you? So, you the reason why I think Jimmy Butler is doing an unbelievable job and this is what and once again, I don't mean to be uh comparing Jimmy Butler to Bill Russell, but a thing that Bill Russell did was he sacrificed his stats and said, you know what, you know, I can score, but I'm not the best scorer in the world, and that's Jimmy Butler. I mean, this guy, we've got to remember, this isn't some five-star recruit, you know, um, one, uh, one-and-done player like uh, Tyler Hero kind of talent. This guy is a, you know, he came from junior college. This man went to JUCO. So the, the, the where Jimmy Butler has gotten, and first of all, think about it this way, guys. When Jimmy Butler signed with Miami, I, myself, and a lot of the basketball world thought this guy has a delusional sense of himself because he really thinks that he can win a championship as the best player on this team in Miami. Well, he has proven us all wrong 
because, yeah, we didn't know Duncan Robinson would be so good, and yeah, we didn't think that Bam Adebayo would improve so much, but Bam Adebayo was on the team last year, Eric Spolster was on the team last year, Goran Dragic was on the team last year, and they didn't play like this, and Jimmy Butler has just let, I, I always say this, your team takes the identity of your leader in most cases. And in this case, this is such a Jimmy Butler team. He has finally found his place where he can be the leader that he wants to be and everybody can follow suit. And that's the whole beauty of this Heat team is you don't know which guy is going to lead in points on a given night. It could be Tyler some nights. It could be Goron some nights. It could be Bam some nights. And it could be Jimmy some nights. And that's what makes them so dangerous and I think that's why Jimmy Butler truly is the best player on the team because you don't have to score so many points to do so and I think he's going to need to be better scoring the ball and more assertive in this series he needs to show us that even though he doesn't have the craziest offensive bag that he can still get his jumper his mid-range contested his moves his attack on the rim he can still get his shots his points on anyone you know what I mean um and Jimmy Butler to be able to let people go off. Like, Goran Dragic has been good for years, but the way he's playing right now, he's never done this on this kind of level. And Jimmy Butler is... And I would argue that Goran Dragic could be the best offensive player on the Heat. But I think if you make... If you uh, encompass the whole body of work, the what they've done on different teams, Jimmy Butler's been a star wherever he's gone, and now he's come here and done this to this team. It's not a coincidence, guys. It's truly not a coincidence. Jimmy Butler is allowing everyone, and you heard what he said in game, uh, I think it was against the Bucks, game two, he said, I don't care who goes off on a given night, all I care about is the end result. And that's the way he plays. And that's the way that great leaders all time, like Bill Russell, who has the most championships ever and never led his team in scoring once, which is not a coincidence, lead. And so I think that people need to give Jimmy Butler a lot of credit. And I think that the very casual take is to say, people are giving Jimmy Butler too much credit. It's the other guys. The other guys deserve a ton of credit. A ton. But to detract from what Jimmy Butler has done because he's not taking a bunch of shots and he's not filling up the stat sheet and he's not making everybody feed off his plate, is horrible. We need to acknowledge that. So let's go to the Lakers who, I mean, Anthony Davis in that game two completely bailed LeBron out of the game. I mean, that dude was playing so bad in that fourth quarter. I can't even tell you. But Anthony Davis completely took over and made a ridiculous shot. And I said it then, that's a series winning shot right there because I didn't think Denver was going to be able to recover. And, you know, the Lakers did a great job taking care of business and props to LeBron who closed out the game on some Kobe shit in game five. Um, now, that being said, uh, it is disappointing to see Jamal Murray get hurt because you could see in game five he was laboring so much. But what's really annoying is that Nikola Jokic seemed to get every... And I know part of it is because Dwight and Anthony Davis made life tough for him and, and can go at him, and we didn't have a guy that could go out Jokic. But Trez and Zoo and Kawhi driving in the rim got hit by Jokic a lot of times and didn't get any calls. But Jokic gets in foul trouble almost every damn game of this series against the Lakers. I mean, I know I'm not trying to make excuses but it would just be nice if one time in history the Clippers could get some benefits from the officials, unlike the Lakers, who seem to always get it. Let's not forget that there was a playoff game, a Western Conference playoff game, that was fixed in their favor. Not saying that the team had anything to do with it. And not saying that the Lakers should not be awarded for that ring, because the Sacramento Kings still had a chance in Game 7 to get the job done. But with the Clippers don't get that kind of luck. We get Game 5 against Oklahoma City in 2014, where they completely just changed the rules and said, you know what, ball out of bounds on uh, Matt Barnes. 
and didn't give us the ball. I'm sorry, no, ball out of bounds off Reggie Jackson uh, and didn't give us the ball, even though they were, they always give, even if they miss a foul call, if the ball goes out of bounds off someone, they usually uh, award it correctly. Anyway, it pisses me off that, you know, Kola Jokic got, like, you know, was just getting every foul called on him. And it sucked. But that being said, the Lakers won because they were the better team. And LeBron closed out the game like Kawhi and the rest of us couldn't. And Rondo, who's only averaging on the stat sheet 9-7 and seven in the playoffs. I mean, those stats don't do him justice at all. Because what Rondo's been able to do is he is making that whole bullshit, look what happens when LeBron comes off the floor, nonsense kind of you know, eliminated because now they, once again, built around his personnel. They didn't have another floor general like that. In the regular season, Rondo, he's just not even the same player. And once again, I cannot believe it because I thought this year, I was like, you know what? Playoff Rondo is playoff Rondo. But this year, I just really think that it's over. And once again, he continues to prove everybody wrong by playing out of his mind in the playoffs. And it's just this unbelievable sense of, I've been here before calm down, you're going to ride me to the end, and I'm going to figure out the way to win, and he always does it, and his jumper's gotten a lot better from three, and he's just been phenomenal, man, and he always is, he just always knows the right place to make, to right place to make, he never gets rattled in big moments, because he's been in so many big moments, and he has made LeBron less valuable in terms of now, the Lakers don't just plummet when he comes off the floor, it's not like we got to really be careful for these minutes, because... And once again, Anthony Davis was the best player in that series. If you deny that, then once again, you just love LeBron so much that you can't see the truth because every single Laker fan agrees that, Le- that AD was the best player in that series. And in my opinion, he has been the best player in the playoffs by a smidget. He was the best player in the season by a smidget. And I'm going to stick with that until I see otherwise. And once again, let me, you know what? And I know you, and I think it's arguable the whole uh, who's been better in the playoffs thing and who's been better in the season. But you know what? Just because you LeBron fans think that I'm being biased, I'm going to give you the argument that you're going to make for you because I know what you're going to say. And I just don't agree with you. Oh, but LeBron averages one more rebound than AD and he's not even a big man. And he averages six more assists. The team revolves around LeBron. He's the guy that's been there, done that. What is Anthony Davis? Has he ever gone to the finals without LeBron James? All valid points to an extent, but once again, a lot of what I just said was statistics and not actual basketball points. Let's talk about why I think Anthony Davis has been the best player in the entire playoffs for any team. Anthony Davis is a better scorer than LeBron James because he can get, he's the type of guy that can score on anyone. He can only be limited where LeBron is the same. But LeBron relies so much on his athleticism to score. And he literally just puts his shoulder... I'm so tired of seeing him just put his shoulder down. And they don't call anything. And then, the Lakers, to have the audacity to complain about calls. And file a report to the NBA. And people wonder why I don't like LeBron James. Is that acceptable? Is that... Could you... (laughs) Could you imagine Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson filing a complaint? Guys, uh, I'm afraid Bill Lambeer and Rick Mahorn are hitting my guy too hard. <laughs> you guys are so fucking soft. Everyone in this era is so soft, man. They are softer than Charmin, as Kobe would say. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? And the Denver Nuggets, I heard, did some complaining too in the first game. And y'all are soft as fuck, too. I also think... He's been a lot better on the defensive end, obviously, 
Because despite the fact that LeBron has definitely turned it up in the playoffs on defense, and I, I do respect that, of course. I mean, that's what the great players should do. Anthony Davis should have won Defensive Player of the Year. I know I said I haven't watched as many Giannis games, but just seeing the playoffs, it's so obvious who the better defender is. AD's incredible in the interior. He's a great rim protector. He can go out and guard guards. He can guard bigs, as you saw with Jokic in this series. Uh, he's capable of going, getting out onto wings. And he's amazing in the pick and roll. You just don't want to put him in it. He's just an incredible defensive player. And to me, that doesn't go in the stat sheet, and that is why he has been the best player on the team. And LeBron, being who he is, is the even softest. And I'm not going to, once again, let me just say this, because part of why I've been taking a tea break from Twitter is because I get stressed every time I go on there, because I see constantly, LeBron, 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 LeBron. I wonder if that guy wakes like has trouble waking up in the morning because 10 million people are just sitting on his ball sack every second of the day because it's just absurd how many people just like think this guy is the greatest thing to walk on planet earth like he is a fantastic basketball player and a great human being off the court from what I see not from what I know from what I see and what he's done with his money and I'll never take that away from him. But the people that think that I just dislike LeBron because I'm biased, no, it's the opposite. I loved LeBron because I was biased. I didn't see the truth because I was biased. Now I'm not biased. I see the truth and I see why people don't like the guy. I see it clear as day. And here's the thing. I went back and watched some uh, interviews of LeBron last night when he was in Miami and he sounded like a totally different guy. He sounded like a humble guy still that still had a lot to prove and like that's still you know wanting to just do the best in his career he doesn't care about the comparisons he doesn't do this and stuff like that a guy that doesn't act like he just like right now the thing I cannot stand is like first of all he is the biggest attention whore I've ever seen in the NBA he is you know we should start calling him one of my new nicknames it should be LePron the P and the R together for a reason because he is the master of PR he is a genius with the way that he says the reporter's name he answers questions thoroughly he's literally that guy that just tells you what you want to hear and just acts the way like he literally cares about his image so much and it's so obvious guys you know that um, that interview that Kobe had after the game, I think it was game two of the 2009 finals where he was like, job's not finished. That was a natural response to a question that was asked him in a press conference. But LeBron is spamming it so much. Like, do you know what LeBron is? He's just a cringe monster. He is the cringe monster because like he sat on the floor. Like, do you guys not see what he's doing? He's sitting on the floor because he's obviously trying to show everybody that I don't care about this celebration. I'm going to sit down because the job is not done and I want everyone to take a picture of me. And then he posted it on Instagram. Like, guys, do you are you not naive to these? Are you being so naive to these things? You, oh, darling, you're just hating, man. Just accept what he's doing. No, I'm seeing what he's doing. And you know, there's another video if you really want me to post it so bad. It's him and Anthony Davis right after that walking to the locker room and... Uh, they're not even talking to each other. Like, it's dead silence. And then LeBron just goes, he sees the cameras, he sees the microphone over his head, and he goes, one step closer to the goal, job's not done. Bruh, we get it, dude. We get it. Like, you're so cringe, bro. And I'm cringe too sometimes, but I'm not a fucking compared to Michael Jordan, that's for sure. And that's why um, that brings me to the final listener questions. Um, 
by the way, just to end on the finals, I do go Lakers in six because I do think that at the end of the day, the best two players in the series will get it done. And yeah, I think the two best players in the series will get it done. And I think Rondo is the reason why I think that they're going to get it done. Because Rondo is so just a factor that we didn't really account for before this uh, playoff started because we didn't ex- we didn't know if we were going to get playoff Rondo. So I do think the Lakers are going to win the series. However, I think if you're the Heat, the reason why I think they match up so well is because the only way you're going to beat this Lakers team is you have if you have a guy that can contain Anthony Davis. And the best matchup for Anthony Davis in the entire league is Bam Adebayo because he's quick enough, he's long enough, and he's athletic enough. So because of that, Bam Adebayo, I think, is going to be tough on AD, and he's probably going to be in every second he's in and out every second he's out. And with LeBron, we have a guy that won finals MVP just for doing a good job on LeBron, Andre Iguodala. We also have Jay Crowder. We also have Jimmy Butler. We also have Derrick Jones Jr., four fantastic wing defenders that are going to be able to throw on LeBron James. And I think that Eric Spolstra, who is the... And I, I absolutely adore Eric Spolstra now. Like, he is... So good. He's no nonsense. He immediately calls timeouts when he sees things aren't going right. He makes adjustments mid-game. I mean, that zone that he brought out against the Celtics absolutely killed them. They killed them because the Celtics don't really have that high post threat. And that's why I think that Miami probably won't go zone against the Lakers because if you put AD in that high post, it's kind of suicidal because not only is he cash on the mid-range area, he will make the right read in a 3-on-2 or a 4-on-3 situation, but... I, four, I think it's a three-on-two situation. But I would think that I think the, the Heat may go zone when AD's out of the game sometimes and force LeBron to penetrate and just kick it to Danny Green for late closeouts or KCP for late closeouts or Caruso because they don't have the shooters that Miami has. So I think I know exactly what is going to do with LeBron, and that's why it gives me some confidence that the Heat could win this series because LeBron, he's so predict- Like I just don't think that people understand. Okay, let, me, let me just tell you what he does wrong, right? So every time that he catches the ball, first of all, he dribbles the air out of the ball completely. And he stat pads so much. Like he is he and Wilt Chamberlain are the masters of masking performances with great statistics. They've mastered the statistical uh game. Because what he like and also by the way, we've talked about this before, and people don't get this, the Gen Z Cucks, that rebounding and assists are the most easy stats to get in this era. Ever because I mean in the sixties also it was easier it ah eh, it there was a lot of rebounds because there was a lot of shots but the rebounds that people are getting now are different because back in the day you actually had real centers and real inside presence nowadays it's five out lane cleared long misses and that's why a lot of these guards are starting to get more rebounds like a lot of times these rebounds are uncontested every single time I see a box out rebound I'm like oh good box out that's a good rebound that's what rebounding just used to be every possession. Not just, it comes. To, it just comes to me. Like, yeah, there's a skill in timing it, but like, it's an uncontested rebound. And LeBron James is just like a master at knowing, you know, how to, they let him get the rebounds to start the break, guys. Like, they're not that, like, when you look at the statute, oh, he had this many rebounds. When you watch the game, how many times are you even saying good rebound, LeBron? Maybe like twice. And then the assists that are they're very generous with. And once again, I said it myself, pick and roll heavy, high pace. And with the pick and roll, making basic reads in today's NBA when it's floor spread and nobody can touch you, literally nobody can touch you. And that's part of the reason why I said this GSL is torture is that I just, the the amount of stoppages and like 
ridiculous reviews that we have in addition to the ridiculous fouls. Like, the hostile act bullshit. Like, I'm sorry, but the NBA feels like WWE, and I know we're going to see some of it in this GSL Finals, and it just sucks in my opinion. But I love this game, and I'm going to continue to support it and talk about it. But if you want to hear my actual opinion, this shit's like WWE sometimes. And my whole thing with with LeBron is he dribbles the air out of the ball. He's been doing this since the beginning. He dribbles the air out of the ball, and at the last second, if he's not getting anything, he throws it to a player for like a late three, and sometimes he'll get lucky that it'll go and he gets an assist for it, but that's a horrible play, and you're putting him in a position that he has to shoot that shot. And Jay Crowder said this in 2018 when the Cavs were losing some games when he played with LeBron. He said, we're making the assist pass. We're not making the right basketball pass, which is a complete and obvious indirect shot to LeBron, and something that I think that he and James Harden and Russell Westbrook do all the time. And the only the re- like if you really understand the game of basketball and you watch it in other eras you will understand that. If you watch it now and you think LeBron's like the greatest passer you've ever seen, yeah, you clearly don't see it, um, obviously. And then another thing he does is, like, sometimes he'll get the ball in the mid post, and I actually like it when he gets the ball in the mid post as opposed to the perimeter because when he was in Miami, that's when he really thrived. But he gets the ball right, and every single time somebody catches the ball in a basketball game, there's a split second before the defense can realize, okay, this guy has the ball, this is what we're going to do to guard him. So, for example, with a guy like LeBron that every team game plans for insanely, when LeBron touches the ball, you know, the heads will, the eyes will stay attached to him. They start loading up the second he gets the ball. And I think what LeBron does so much is he just waits and waits, and what he will call it is surveying the defense. But when he, he just waits and waits and takes time off the shot clock and, like, relies on people to cut sometimes. But it's so obvious that Caruso and Kuzma are making weak side cuts. Like, you literally, like, the, that's why I think the Heat have a chance of winning this series because I feel like if anyone's going to expose LeBron's flaws that I've been pointing out this entire playoffs, it's going to be the Heat. And also AD's flaws of sometimes not posting up close enough to the basket. But it seems like every time he has a game like that, he always bounces back with, like, 35 points. So, I don't know, man. AD's tough. But... I see what LeBron does, and every time he gets the ball, there's a split second where he can just go to work right away, quick move, like I saw Kobe do for so many years, and I see Jordan do whenever I watch him play, but he just stands there and waits, like, you know he's gonna pass, like, he takes a couple dribbles, but you know he's looking to pass, it's so obvious, that's why I say he doesn't keep the defense honest a lot, but, you know, ugh, let's get to the listener questions, um, to end it off. Uh, but yeah, I do think the Heat have a chance for all the reasons I named their defense, the zone, the different coverages, and having the best coach in the series. And oh my God, how poetic would it be if Spolstra, who LeBron tried to get fired and we all conveniently forget about it. But if you listen to Who's the Goat, once again, please listen to my podcast, Who's the Goat? Um, because it uncovered all that stuff where LeBron bumped into Eric. Can you believe that LeBron bumped into this guy and went into, they, they had a meeting with Pat Riley and he asked him, do you ever just get the itch to come back and coach? He didn't say the, the to come back and coach part, but that's obviously what it means. Like, can you believe that this guy had the audacity to try to get this guy fired? Look at what he's done now, Eric Spolstra. He's a Hall of Fame coach, bar none, and a story. And if he wins the championship this year, he's one of the greatest coaches of all time. And he may be in the conversation for top five, maybe? Anyway, let's get to the listener questions. Uh, I'm happy with the feedback and the, and the uh, questions, and I, I look forward to doing this more with each episode. But um, good friend and brother and teammate of mine, Jack Moran asks, who are your early picks for most improved and rookie of the year? And the, the answer to that is I'm not going to give you one for rookie of the year because there was no NCAA tournament. I didn't watch like an ounce of college basketball last year. So I'm not going to just sit here and 
talk out of my ass like a lot of people do. Um, I'm not going to. Sorry. Um, but my most improved player pick is coming from your boy's favorite team. And his name is Ivitsia Zubats. And the reason why I think that's the case is because I think Trez is gone. And I think that Zubats' minutes are going to be increased so much. And I think that after this playoffs, he's going to have a lot more confidence and another year of chemistry with Kawhi or Kawit. And I think he's going to average like, I want to say he's going to average like 14 and 11. And he's going to win most improved. That's my prediction for that. Um, my friend Martin Samoska asks, who, is the big, who do you deem the biggest bust in sports history? And my answer to that is I can't answer for hockey or football or baseball because I don't know enough. And my answer for basketball is I also don't know enough because I have not finished the evolution of basketball. So I don't know who the biggest bust is. However, in my era, it's a clear and obvious answer, and his name is Anthony Bennett. Uh, he's the most obvious bust. I don't even need to go over the reasons why. He just basically didn't even have a career. And the final question to end the podcast from my teammate and brother as well, Antonio. He asks, when Legoat, yuck, I, oh my goodness, wins the championship this year, will you change your stance? And the answer is, listen, once again, I do not just hate to hate. I used to love this guy. I was unbiased and started to hate him for reasons. And that started with his requests to actively recruit Kawhi and be willing to get the easy way out. What his fans don't realize is that KD is a bitch because he wanted his, you know, team or whatnot. And uh, I'm sorry, he, he took the easy way out. What you don't realize is LeBron was willing to do that too. And when you say, well, he's only doing that because he got screwed from KD. You know, there's a reason why KD moved teams, right? Why he went to a better situation and played with great players that he likes because he didn't win in a small market, right? Once again, the league. And also this stuff about like LeBron complaining and people defending him saying he's just a product of his environment. Who creates the environment? Who is a role model for the environment? Because when I was a kid, when Kobe Bryant was the best player in the NBA, the first and second best player in the league were never thought to be playing on the same team. But now it's a real possibility because of who's in charge and who pushes for this, oh, I, I love to play with the best. I love, he, once again, he prefers to play with the best than compete against the best. Right now we have arguably, actually not even arguably for me, two of the top three players in the league on the same team. And I'm seeing some people say, I saw Colin Coward today. My friend Will sent me a, uh, he said, I don't think Jordan would have gone to the finals with Anthony Davis. <laughs> Guys, I'm gonna, I, I hate going on Twitter because I see all you Gen Z cucks that believe that this LeBron Jordan thing is like a real thing. Like it should be debated. The only way that you can tell me that you think, and by the way, so to answer your question, Antonio, fuck no, it's never going to change. LeBron can't do anything for me to think. He can go as far as two. And he, actually, you know what? Let me just, let me just phrase this differently. Um, my friends said, D, here's the thing about me and why you guys should still listen to me, even though I'm a LeBron quote unquote hater, because the, the haters in the media, like your Skip Baylesses, they won't admit when LeBron does well. They won't give him credit when he wins. They're going to say like, oh, he got carried or, oh, he got lucky or, oh, he had, even if he wins, he was 0 for 3 in the fourth. No, 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 no. Not with me. With me, with Kevin Durant and with LeBron James. 
and Kyrie Irving. I dislike all of them. But I can never, ever take away how incredibly talented they are at the game, what they do on the basketball court, and how good of players they are. Never. I'm never going to let that cloud my judgment. I'm never going to let that cloud my opinion. I'm always going to tell you how it is. I just said that. I just said LeBron was Kobe esque in finishing that game. I just said you can make an argument LeBron's the best player on the team still. You don't have to agree with my opinion of AD. But the funny part is the LeBron fans say that there's no argument. And that's why they should not be entertained. And they're the worst kind of fans because they follow an individual and they miss the point about the game. This is a team game. But the funny part is they use the team game as an excuse for when he loses, which is ridiculous because they give him praise when he wins and then when he loses, it's a team game, which is completely false, ridiculous, bullshit, Gen Z cuck, media wash logic. And I'm afraid that you need to go. Oh, so by the way, so back to the thing about my stance. My friends were saying, don't hate on him so much. So I said, okay, guys, you know what? I'm going to give him a new chance. Now that I'm off Twitter and I'm not seeing everyone suck his dick all the time, I will give him 10 strikes. If he does 10 things that I completely dislike, then I'll go back to hating him again. But until then, he's just, I don't love him, but he's he's just a guy. He did, so the complaining uh, for the calls, the sitting on the floor, eventually it piled up so much to the point where I'm just watching it, and I'm like, I, I can't like this guy. Because I'm me, and my opinion, and once again, that's why people need to stop taking these stupid fucking rankings so seriously. Everyone's opinion is different. There's no set criteria that everyone needs to have. That Oh, so because ESPN wants you to think a certain way, I have to have LeBron second if he wins, or do this, I have to have him there, I have to have him this, or else I'm being, like, lying to myself, or I'm being stupid, or I don't know basketball. No, my criteria is you need to do what's needed to win. You need to lead by example. You need to not make excuses. You need to be someone that I want to show my kids and say, you know what? If you want to be great, look at the way that guy plays. Look at the way he conducts himself. When I watch LeBron James, I say to myself, man, I'm going to show my kids this guy and to- show them what not to act like, not to complain. Not. I saw him complain about a lane violation on a made free throw by Denver the other day. Like, that's how much like he's into the like complaining stuff. Like, are you are you kidding, dude? He is and I was also watching like the draft, the all-star drafts from uh two years ago and last year with Giannis and him. And like listening to him is like listening to that kid in school that like brings uh an apple for the teacher every day and raises his hand for every question and says exactly what the teacher wants to hear and will bring cookies for a holiday and wants to kiss the teacher's ass to the point where he's guaranteed an A. That's how he sounds to me now. He literally just tells everybody what they want to hear and it's like it's so cringeworthy. It's like I fucking hated that teacher's pet growing up. So what makes you think I'm going to like this dude that wants to be like he wants to be the goat so bad. That's the thing. He said it's the beginning of his career he wants to be the goat so bad it's such a media driven narrative because in my opinion the reasons why everyone thinks that like oh he could be better than jordan is because oh he passes better he's such an all-around player but those same lebron fans as i said in who's the goat will not acknowledge that larry bird is better at michael jordan in those exact things and he has the same amount of rings as lebron in less years And then we have this whole, oh my God, if he wins, he's going to be the only player to win on three teams. That's an incredible accomplishment. However, it is not as impressive, in my opinion, as winning with one team where you build your foundation and you let everybody come to you. Because what LeBron does is now, in these last 10 years, he's hand-picked his roster. When the going gets tough, the tough go. 
In 2014, he literally lost one time. And he was like, all right, I'm going to go back to Cleveland. And then he loses two years in a row. And he's like, oh, I got to leave. Like, when the going gets tough, the tough go. Let's look at, the, let's look at who's in, in these conversations with LeBron. Michael Jordan, basically a one-man franchise. A one-team fran- uh, one man. Magic Johnson, one-team man. Kobe Bryant, one-team man. Tim Duncan, one-team man. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, two teams. Larry Bird, one-team man. Do you get the point? Now, I'm not saying that he had to do that, but it's more impressive to me when you build your foundation, you build an empire, just like Paul Pierce said. And you know what? Everybody clowns Paul Pierce because he has some ridiculous takes, but his take on LeBron and like the whole top five shit, ESPN laughs at him and makes you, the viewer, believe that he's stupid for saying his top five, who I, which I think is a fantastic top five. And once again, there's a reason why I haven't given you my top five. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that I, even in my Who's the Goat episode, never called Jordan the Goat? I never said that. I never said my top five. I'm purposely not saying it for a reason. You're going to hear it one day. But when I see everything, because right now, it's bullshit. And um, the people that think, like the Gen Z cucks that believe that you watched five games of Jordan randomly throughout the course of your life, and you think that that means you watched Jordan and can compare him to LeBron, are so ignorant and stupid. Because what you need to do is you need to go learn about why the game was played a certain way first, and take this bias out of your brain that you, what people do in, in my generation is they look at the game and they look for angles to say that this game is better. And they look for angles as to why Jordan's not as good as LeBron. And what you need to do is just throw all that shit out of, the, out of your mind. You need to watch the game as an unbiased basketball fan that's watching basketball the same way you would now and notice the differences. And... Then, and like, 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 if you are growing up with LeBron every single night, watching every single thing he does, watching ESPN spam about it a hundred fucking times a day, compared to hearing about Jordan from documentaries and watching occasional games that you pick out randomly, it's not the same. Go watch a whole final series of Jordan. Go watch the adjustments he makes from game to game. Go watch the, uh, how he approaches each game. And then if you want to have a discussion with me about it, I would love to when you watch the whole series. Not this bullshit that everybody wants to do, including you, Antonio, who's listening to this, I hope. So I don't want to hear that. But first of all, LeBron can go, for me, I guess, as high as two. But for me, he's never going to go up, I don't think, in my list. Maybe. Because in my opinion, I feel like when I do the evolution of basketball and I do Larry Bird and Kobe Bryant's careers, there's no way I'm going to think LeBron's better than them. There's no way. And it's not biased. It's because the way they conduct themselves, the what they do on the court. I do think they're better at basketball. I truly do. I truly believe that LeBron is the most overrated player in the history of basketball only because they tried to call him the greatest ever. And that's disrespectful to Jordan because as you saw in the last dance, look at how miserable he made himself to win. Look at what he, look at the way he approaches the game. Look at the look on his face. Look at how he guards someone. Look at the way he takes every single challenge. And by the way, I want to hear, oh yeah, LeBron guarded Jamal Murray for the last two minutes and hacked the shit out of him. And everybody's acting like it was such incredible defense. Yeah, it was good defense for a possession or two. That was a foul, blatantly. And I know, I heard what Draymond said. You haven't earned the right to call that. Oh my goodness, cry me a fucking river. Whatever. Um, the point is, it takes a functioning brain and an open mind and one full game to realize that Michael Jordan and LeBron James should not be compared to each other in any way. In any way. And I'm not even a Jordan fan like that. I like Pippen better. I like LeBron's style of play better than I like the pass passing guys. But if you want to sit here and try to argue with me that LeBron's better than Jordan, you lose credibility, man. Because I actually went and started seeing what everybody was saying. And as you saw in Who's the Goat, it's just ludicrous. It's ludicrous to say that. 
And I'm from this era, guys. I am from this era. And the reason why I speak with such you know, authority that I think that I'm right here is because I was you. I used to think that this era was the best in terms of skill and all this shit. And now I know the truth. I know who says right things and who doesn't. I know what the media wants to do. The media wants you to participate in this conversation by, you know, they they made this debate and this thing since LeBron came into the league promoting him as the next cash cow like Jordan. And you know what's funny about Jordan is he's not even the consensus goat. He is who the media wants you to believe is the goat too. Why don't you go form your own opinions? It's not consensus that Jordan's the goat. There's a reason I didn't say it. The media wants you to believe that Michael Jordan and LeBron James are the two best players ever when that couldn't be further from the truth unless you give me logical reasons that they are after watching and studying their eras or being alive for it. Because I guarantee every single person I've talked to, like almost every single one, that's not mainstream media or that's not a Gen Z cuck never thinks that LeBron is even close to Jordan because they watched him play. Like, it's just... It's comedic to me. So no matter, in my opinion, this is my list. It's my list. There's no the list. There's a pretty consensus top 10. Wilt Chamberlain, Tim Duncan, Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant, Larry Bird, LeBron James, um, Michael Jordan, and yeah, I said it. Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Kareem. Yeah, I said them all. So that's the pretty consensus top 10. The order you put them in, or if you want to substitute one of them, I guess is fine, but it doesn't matter. Everyone's criteria is different, and my criteria is what I think aligns with my views, and I consider myself one of the most competitive people in the face of the earth, and I consider, I learned, I watched Kobe Bryant my whole life, as I said earlier in this podcast. I saw what greatness looked like. I just posted a video on Instagram that kind of illustrates what that means, and it's just the way you conduct yourself and the way LeBron conducts himself and the way he plays basketball is not what I think is greatness. Everyone says appreciate greatness, respect greatness. Yeah, LeBron's greatness, but my definition of greatness is not the way he conducts himself. Not anymore. Not after 2016, because I think that's when it changed, as I said in Who's the Goat, is when he called himself the greatest player of all time. Ever since then, the agenda media-driven narrative propaganda has gone to the next level and it's gotten to the point where he... Has try, is trying so hard to get everybody on his side to believe that he's the GOAT or that he really has a case for it. And he just, if you think that basketball is about statistics, sure he does. If you think it's about winning and that's the most important thing, then you are out of your mind if you think it's close. So I really don't, by the way, guys, how much of this podcast was spent talking about LeBron? This is what I don't want to do. You're, you, this is precisely what I don't want to do. I don't like doing this. I don't like sounding like such a hater. I don't like saying all these things, but this is my opinion and this is what I see. And what I see is an absolute disgrace for what, if you want to call that the greatest player of all time, and if this is the greatest player that you've seen, I feel sorry for you, truly. I feel sorry for you because, <laughs> I don't know, man. I was brought up a different way. That's not the way I do things. A lot of, uh, a lot of talk, even though he's killing it in this playoffs right now. But once again, he's got Anthony Davis with him too. So like, once again, I don't even know if he's the best player on his team. Um, so no, if you want to hear, if you want to hear that my ranking is going to change if he wins this year, you're not going to get what you want to hear because that's my. This is my rankings, and my rankings are what aligns with my views. There's no consensus bullshit that everyone needs to think of ESPN. 
who I quite frankly cannot stand any longer. And once again, honestly, I'm just going to unfollow them on everything because it's just too much, too much propaganda. Like, did you see what, I'm going to close it out with this. Did you see what Eric Spolster said to Rachel Nichols yesterday? They couldn't go 10 minutes without talking about LeBron. You're facing your former player, LeBron James. And you see what Spolster said? That's ah, a great storyline. Can you let us enjoy this? Like, yes, shut the fuck up. It's not LeBron, 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 LeBron every five seconds. Like, I see why my uncle doesn't, didn't like Michael Jordan anymore when he played. Because they probably shoved it in his face all the time. Like, nobody likes that. It's not fun. You're not all, like, you're still a human being. Calm down. Let people think for themselves. But they don't want to because they know that they can make media pushing this one central figure that they have for so long. And every single graphic with his name on it gives people talking and getting them views. It's all about money in today's day. Both with the NBA and everything around you. It's all about money. And that, my friends, is why the media cannot be trusted and why you need to form your own opinions. And the same people that are promoting LeBron as the second best player of all time or top two are the same people that voted Giannis MVP and that left a bunch of people off the defensive teams and are the ones that make these criteria. So that's it for me. I don't want to have to talk about any more stuff about the GOAT conversation until I finish watching basketball okay please tell me if you enjoyed please give me feedback i will see you guys and talk to you guys for the first episode or for the first after the first game of the finals peace